On this episode of Industry Relations, Rob and I ponder who is the next Gary Keller and also musings about Compass and the overall market. Let's go. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to announce our inaugural sponsor of the Industry Relations podcast, Note Router. Um, Note Router was launched back in 2018 by Nick Goff, and they had the mission of reconnecting real estate. Um, Note Router is an all-in-one email and texting platform designed exclusively for real estate. Uh, Note Router syncs with your membership database to make communicating with your members easier and more effective. Believe me, your staff is going to love you for this. If you're an association or MLS and you want to do a better job with communicating with members, really look no further. Um, they've just launched a brand new website. It looks fantastic, by the way. I'll put the URL in the show notes. It's noterouter.com. Go there, take a look. You'll find everything you need. Once again, thank you, Nick. Thank you uh, to everybody at Note Router for sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast. Rob and I truly appreciate your, your support. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. This is the Notorious Rob. And of course, with me, as always, is the fabulous Greg Robertson. <laughs> the name stuck, right? I mean, yeah, it's except different. yesterday I was on a call and somebody called me the famous Greg Robertson. Oh, and I'm, oh it's an F name. And he goes, oh, and he corrected himself. So it was just the, uh, the um, fabulous Greg Robertson. So if I've managed to do nothing else the rest of my career, I think this would be a <laughs> highlight that I have given Greg Robertson the appropriate nickname. <laughs> Not about appropriate, but uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, so this it's uh, I guess we're back on screen after having a wonderful time with you in person. Uh, I don't know if that video is uh, released yet, but uh, you know, you and I were both on stage in Las Vegas, in my hometown. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I came out there for the uh, Greater Las Vegas Associations. They have an MLS Tech Forum, yep. and um, you and I, along with uh, Rich. Yep, Rich Robledo. Uh, Rob Rob Robledo, big, big Rich, big, big Rich. Rich. Yeah, he uh, moderated us or tried to, or I think it was all three of us were getting moderated. We took some audience questions. Yeah, yeah. we were talking about the upcoming uh, apocalypse of. <laughs> <laughs> Buyers having to pay for their own commission, and that that really got the crowd wound up. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it was kind of, and Rich was great too. I mean, being yeah. a broker, he could ask. You know, we could ask him some questions, and we got um some feedback from him. Yeah, and a lot of audience members. So I I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, you know, having a live thing like that. No, it was great, man. I I keep thinking like this is the future. I'm telling you, industry relations live in front of the audience, and that'd be awesome. But. uh you know, it was kind of shocking how few people in the audience were even aware of this going on. Yeah. yeah. Know, I'm like, wow, that's uh, like half the room, would you say? Had no idea that this was even happening. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, at least half. I mean, um, and I think that's just what we keep finding, right? Which is yeah. kind of remarkable, but um, it's definitely the, the, uh, the noise has been um, ramped up in the past couple of months. I don't know what's yeah. because of us or just everybody else. But. No, I think it's because of Sitzer, right? I think it's because that got class action status and all of a sudden people are realizing, hey, you know what? This stuff might not get dismissed. Okay. <laughs> the barbarians yeah. are actually at the gates or yeah. might be soon and uh, maybe we should pay a little more attention to it. Um, and then we, we went to that, um, that great, uh, it was that, uh, I guess it was a Chinese restaurant, right? That's With right. The, I'd never had those um, Shalom Bao, the soup dumplings. Soup dumplings, right? Oh, my and, God, Greg. <laughs> oh. But, it, you know, we talked about it afterwards. I'm like, I guess, how do they get the soup in there? And I, I, I think we just we kind of figured out it's a modern thing because you, you, you put ice cubes or, you know, soup cubes in there. Right, right. And then Sunny they, mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, and then you, you when you make them, it melts, and then you have yeah. soup in these little things. Like, yeah. Who knew, man? I who mean, knew? I, I'm not. <laughs> but here I am. It, Enriching lives everywhere by introducing them to Shalom Bao. <laughs> but, uh, you know, look, I, the, the big takeaway for me from that event, though, was it still happens all the time, right? Like, all I want to say, what did you say? Like, 60, 70% of the people getting up at the microphones 
were making arguments like we're the FTC, and I'm like, yeah. why, why are you telling us? Like we're on your side. We're we have no power. You know, all we're telling you is this is what's happening. This is what they're thinking, and they're like, this is wrong. And what about buyers? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Well, what we're going to try to do is they recorded this on video. They recorded yeah. this the audio. I will once I get that that footage and that that audio file, we'll put it on the we'll work out yeah. here on the regular podcast stuff so people yeah. can hear. I mean, there was a lot. I think there's there was some confusion there for sure. And of course, we're the only ones in the room. We're telling them this. Sometimes they're hearing this for the first time. Right. So get it. Right. And then, but most of the time, a lot of them were. They were. Well, this is more of a comment than a question. Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but you know, we had the same kind of vibe, the same kind of question over and over again, which was, well, what about FHA? You know, VA buyers, and they don't have yeah. money to pay. Yeah. And I think that question was asked like. Three times by three, three times, people. three, four times. Yeah. Nobody was listening to each other. Right. But yeah. Um, yeah. There's obviously some, some things to be worked out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I think as things get closer and I, I'm not sure when, right. Cause we keep talking about it, but maybe the next time we really do an in-depth treatment is when we have a decision. Yeah. Right. You know, or at least like some sort of major development. Cause That's right not, now, so February, right. Is when they have the trial. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I but, expect, um, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, you know, big thank you to Stephanie Hill over yep. there and Rich for having us. And uh, yep. it was a great time. Um, they're, you know, their, their hospitality is world-class. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, you and I should try our very best to try and give Rich a name, you know? Yeah, no, I think he's got him. He's probably got a few names that, you know, I, 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 let's, let's try and see if we can make a big, rich energy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, here's another thing. I mean, talking about like uh, coincidence. So um, you were down at the HAR Senior yeah. Leadership Committee. Yeah. What yeah. do they call that? The SLC, whatever, yeah. retreat. Whatever. Retreat. Yeah. And then, so I had the Vegas thing and I know you had the Vegas thing. So I, I couldn't, I didn't figure that I would be able to kind of like do both. Yeah. And then um, I was doing a panel with, Spencer Raskoff and Greg Schwartz. Right. Uh, both of those, you know, Spencer, obviously the co-founder and um, former CEO of Zillow. And then, yep. and then Greg was their CRO for a while. Yep. And we talked about the kind of state of prop tech. Um, and then I guess, um, were you in the room when, when we were doing that zoom panel? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. You guys did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and what were you speaking there about? I, I never got to ask you. I, I, you know, my normal sort of, you know, upside of doom kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> upside of doom from Raw. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm real positive. I'm very, I'm very like white pilled. I think everything's going to work out great in the long yeah. run. No, really, in the long run, it's just. Oh no! Once, term. once the once the asteroid hits and the dinosaurs. Right. Right. Then out of the milk, you know, of the, the, the swamp will become new life. Yeah. No. It's, 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 it's like the asteroid hit, the dinosaurs died off, and then the mammals took over. So it'll yeah, very, like very that. positive. It's only very positive. You're, you're, you're a mammal. If you're a mammal. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of it around like uh, the, the lawsuit, a lot of it around macroeconomics, because obviously the market is jacked yeah. up. And we may get to talk about that today as well a little bit. Um, and then just some other other big major trends, you know. Yeah, I think stuff. HAR, you know, Bob does a great job of. Uh, oh God, yes. Together and, and really educating his his leadership on a, a, lot of the, a lot of those issues. I, I was, I mean, I was bummed that I couldn't make it there live, but um, yeah, maybe they'll have us back or have me back or have you back next year. Well, I'm sure they will. You know, I'm sure they will because you're. I mean, you're you're fabulous, Greg Robertson. You know, <laughs> but one of the things. <laughs> One of the things that came out of that prop tech thing is just how bearish everybody was. Oh. Oh. Now, Spencer did say it'll come back. Yeah. Right? He just thought it's going to take a little bit of time. Everyone's just kind of sitting on their hands because of all the uncertainty and you know all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're seeing it reflected like right now, you know? Um, I think you're mentioning Compass is like imploding. <laughs> You know, that's, I think, you know, we talked about it um, a little bit about just the state of prop tech and, you know, there was an article that came out that like, I think it was in the journal or maybe it was business insider or Bloomberg, but one of those things <laughs> they're like, Hey, the best, your best bet is to short Zillow. Right. And it's like, God damn, that's, that's rough. Right. When right. They're putting stuff out there. And then of course, um, just all the, the, you know, they, 
uh, Compass had, you know, huge layoffs. They let go of their CTO. Yep. Um, the stock is just, you know, you didn't think it could go further down, but it did. Um, and it's just putting a sourpuss on everything in prop tech, right? Uh, and, you know, the Compass thing, you could, you know, 900 billion or 900 million on agent facing mm -hmm. real estate software. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you're talking, to, you know, my, my adult life. I mean, from 1992 on, I've started and ran real estate software companies. I mean, 900 million. Holy mackerel. I mean, it's just, it's, it boggles my mind. Right. Um, it, it, it really does. But I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, but, you know, that's a lot of SoftBank's well, money, a lot of... Yeah, but let's, let's, so let's actually just speculate on that, right? Right. Because unlike other prop tech things, you know, I think Compass, because it's fundamentally just a traditional brokerage, right? In other words, like, say something like Open Door, we can say, look, uh, if this takes off, if, 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 then, you know, we don't know, right? There's a lot unknown. Right. Uh, with Zillow, you know, with the, the super app and whatever, we don't really know. But Compass, we, we kind of know. Do you know what I mean? Like, we kind of know. So how, do you, how does that play out, right? Well, yeah, traditional well, brokerage, right? Yeah. They have a good, or they have a tech stack that's developed in-house. And then they have this agent recruiting model that everyone understands, right? With, you know, bonus, whatever. They're doing it with that. Okay, so what, what's the way forward? Right. Well, the way forward now is that they, you know, so just go to step by step there. They let go of their CTO. So right. that, that puts the question, the agent tech stack, they are now, they, they famously said they're, they're changing the way that they recruit agents are no longer going to offer. I mean, even if they could any stock or bonuses. So right. that kind of gets rid of that. And um, they're losing agents. I mean, you know, if you would go to the, the front page of Inman news, it talks about, um, there's probably two or three stories now talking about how these compass agents have gone to X and not, you know, gone to Y brokerage. Right. So it just, the, the, the picture is not, is not, um, it's not good. And it, it's, it's just unfortunate. I mean, I've, I've seen Refkin speak. Um, I get his vibe. Mm -hmm. I understand the mission they were on. Um, but God, just, you know, just brutal right now. Just brutal. You hope they find a way out of that, but I mean, I don't know. Well, Compass is still the number one brokerage in the country by volume, right? Yeah, I think so, by volume. And they have great agents. So I guess the way I look at it is, look, it's one of two things, right? The first possibility is that the traditional brokerage model is just bonkers dead, right? You know, so that you can never... Well, it's not bonkers. I mean, you no, can't... That's my point, right. But so, so my point simply is, it's either that or there's something about Compass specifically. I don't think it's the first option because there's whatever, five, 10,000 brokerages on the traditional yeah. model. They're doing fine, right? So it's not the model. So it's compass specific. So what, what could that be? But thing is, even in that second route, I guess I'm more positive because as a brokerage, if you have great agents, you'll be fine. Like you'll survive somehow. As far as I know, compass is not hugely in debt. As far as I know. Well, they got a huge burn rate, though. That's the the question. Right. The question that Dilpree put out and everything else is just they they had to stop their burn rate, right? So, right. Yeah. But you know, so let's say Robert, uh, the board uh, tells Robert, "Hey, you know what? Uh, you need to do something." He goes, "Cool. We laid off CTO. We're going to fire the entire corporate staff." Okay, there goes your burn rate. If, as long as you're not in debt, you know, this is the problem with Realogy. Realogy has this debt on them because of Apollo, because right? yeah. what. You know the the hedge fund guys screwed them you know, earlier on. It's not Realogy's fault. Like this is just what happened. As far as I know, Compass doesn't have you know huge amounts of leverage. So as long as they sort of cut back, have great agents, I think they're actually going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, you know? yes and no. But I mean, you know, I think they always came out that they were going to redefine. They're going to be the operating system of real estate. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's There's always this tech forward kind of yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what they they essentially have to do is that maybe this isn't, you know, everybody pivots, right? It's like, well, maybe we're not that, but yeah. then, in those valuations, I think, you know, they're, Oh yeah. Those shareholders will lose their ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Okay>. Damn. <laughs>
I, I'm sorry. Like the the people who own Compass stock are you're you're gonna you're gonna get screwed, but maybe not, right? Because like I said, Compass is still the number one brokerage by volume. They have great agents, right? And you can't really have great agents without at least having some talent at the field level. In other words, not the corporate staff, right? Not the tech team, but I'm talking about like the local managing broker. Right. I mean, I know the I know one of the guys in Houston, you know, and he's fantastic. So I'm like, I think as long as you maintain that, you're still a pretty valuable asset. And I could see, I don't know, Home Service America, right? With Warren Buffett money snapping them up. I could see, you know, maybe Realogy deciding, you know what? Um, let's just acquire them, right? I mean, think about how big Realogy brokerage group would be if that deal was made, right? Right. I mean, I, I could I see remember, stuff like that. I did. I, you know, Del Pretty called them the most unprofitable brokerage ever. I, mm -hmm. but to go back to your Houston comment, I just, I think I read on Inman that the founding agent in in Houston for Compass has left. So, yeah, but so what? Agents come and go. Hopefully, they'll keep. You know, as you say, they have great agents. Those 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 agents will stay, right? Right. And the key there is going to be why do those agents like what keeps them. In other words, this is one of the flaws of Compass that we, you and I have talked about in the past, right? Like five years ago, whenever Compass first launched. If you are recruiting agents on the basis of money, right? Like we're going to write you this big check, so you're going to come on board. Then they're mercenaries, right? Yeah. And then they'll leave once the money runs out. That is really Compass's problem. Like how are you going to hold on to those people once the money no longer you're no longer like writing the big checks and it's not whatever, you know, 99% splits or whatnot, right? That becomes a challenge. And then it yeah. becomes a matter of what kind of local leadership do you have, right? Do you have some sort of relationship between your local guy? So we'll see what happens, right? And even with all that relationship, fact is you and I both know at the end of the day, money talks, right? So somebody else comes along and says, we're going to be a better split, 100%, you know, EXP model, something like that there's nothing you can do, right? But that's the position of every brokerage in America. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I I, just, I think Compass will be okay, is, yeah. is what I'm saying. It'll, they, be, it'll be something different, but it, it'll, right. it'll continue. They, you right. can't be the top, you know, that, that, that many transactions and everything. And I don't think it's actually, you know, and again, this is speculation on my part as usual, but the consumers, I don't think, are aware of this stuff. No. This is all inside baseball stuff to us. Correct. Now, agents do, you know, I mean, you know, another agent and another, you know, if you're in San Francisco and you're saying you work for Compass, I'm sure the other agent's giving you shit right, right now. I, but, I don't but, think so. I mean, Compass is so dominant in some of those cities. Now, one of the things that hurts Compass, just the way it hurt uh, Realogy and the way it hurt Redfin, is that Compass is really focused and dominant in kind of the big major high-dollar metropolitan area right and those are the markets that are really hurting from an agroeconomic standpoint and compass does not have a huge presence in like the sun belt in the southeast right which is where all of the action has been going um now that's like san francisco obviously per the price is really high so per transaction the incomes revenue is going to be really high but by the same token that means you're giving away most of it to the agent anyhow so you know you don't you don't have the traction um so we'll see what happens, but I could easily see, like I said, to me, the, the, the ideal candidate would be someone like home services, right? Who are very strong in the Sun Belt, very strong in the Southeast. You know, they're pretty strong in like the big urban areas, but that's where like religion dominates. For them to pick up Compass would be pretty, I mean, it's strategic, right? What, what do you think about, I mean, one thing about that, I think from the, from the franchisor level or the their large broker level, is they're very personality driven, right? I mean, yeah, they're you know, uh, Remax famously, you know, Dave, yeah. Lennick, you know, yeah, um, you know, Keller Williams, you know, is Gary yeah. Gary Keller, Gary obviously, Keller. Yeah. Um, you know, you have these kind of personalities that are tied into, you know, these larger brokerages or franchisors. Refkin, of course, Robert Refkin with Compass. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it's, he's a co-founder. He's whatever. This is a founder led type of thing. Yeah. Does he make it? Oh, that's a great question, man. I think so. Unless he steps away. Right. Right. 
So I, I can't remember when I wrote this. It was a few years ago. I did one of my like seven predictions, sure to be wrong. Right? And I remember saying that Remax should acquire Compass. Right? And this before Compass went public, before any of that, because my thinking was uh, Refkin's dynamic. You know what I mean? He's really dynamic. He's charismatic. He's smart. He's good looking. He's young. Um, and I'm like, but in a way, he really reminded me a little bit of like Dave Linegar in his youth. This whole agent focus, you know, it's all about the agent, right? Mm -hmm. Benefiting the agent. And the whole story about his mom being a real estate agent. Like, I think that really resonated. I thought Remax didn't really have that major metropolitan market thing. They didn't really have this like sort of luxury presence. So it made sense to me. And I thought it would be a good transition of like Dave Linegar handing the baton off to Refkin. Obviously, that's never happened. I could see the same thing happening to Keller Williams, right? Gary Keller, as he's dynamic, he's smart, he's also about agent centric, right? But I mean, like, I'm sorry, but he's not going to live forever, right? And Keller Williams, I could, I like, who's the dynamic leader that could maybe fill that role? I mean, I yeah, they've got a revolving door, of, right? Of and I think Refkin might be like that guy. I just don't. So, see, I mean, I think Refkin. I just can't see him taking over an old school kind of thing. He, I think he wanted to do this compass thing because it was this tech centric sure. sexiness. I mean, sure. I just can't see him like saying, I'm going to be running Keller Williams or, you know, Remax well, or something, especially Remax. I mean, I know, but fam famously Keller Williams said that they're a tech company now. Well, yeah, I think they've walked that back, <laughs> but, I think you they could walk that back. All right, look. So on this is episode of this relations, uh, Rob and Greg attempt to uh, make an M and A happen. You know, <laughs> talking about it. Look, Keller Williams and Compass actually makes a bunch of sense, right? Keller Williams is enormously profitable. Hey, right? Maybe home a lot of services. Money. I mean, you. I mean, the home service makes a ton of sense too. But yeah. you know, uh, but I do think like there's something about that personality driven, right? Like who's so? Let's put it this way: Who's the next Gary Keller? Yeah, well, they've tried, right? They've tried numerous times, I mean, just across the industry, yeah. right? Here's here's who the next Gary Keller is not, right? Glenn Sanford is not the next Gary Keller. Right. Love the guy, smart as hell. I've seen him on stage a bunch of times. He's he's not Gary Keller. He doesn't have that energy, right? Glenn is very cerebral. He's sort of laid back. He's, you know. He, he, so who's the next Gary Keller? Like across the industry, right? I think it's Refkin, right? Right. So that's the context. Now, look, it could be that Refkin just decides, you know what? Enough. I've made money. I've accomplished this amazing thing. He's still a young guy. You know, he could be like, I'll just take my money and leave, and somebody come and buy a Compass, acquire it, or whatever, and I'll go to Goldman Sachs again, or you know, run maybe do something in politics or something. You know what I mean? Like. So unless he chooses to step out, I think Refkin could be like the next, you know, of that generation's Gary Keller. Yeah, I mean, but you know, Keller's like he wrote books about like prospecting. I mean, he's very sure. kind of old school Zig Ziglar in a sense of like sure. you know, uh, you know, Na uh, Napoleon Hill kind of back thing. I mean, you know, uh, Refkin. I mean, they have both of them are charismatic, right? But you know, Keller's old school. Absolutely. Work on your sphere, you know, yeah. five by five, 12 by 12 program, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's, I mean, you're not going to see Refkin come out there and tell, you know, a, an agent, you know, how to kind of start their business and what their day should look like. And, you know, I mean, as, as famously, and then, you know, give these kind of like, like he's just done these kind of talks about like, this is the com most confusing market ever. And let me show you why I'm saying that with charts yeah. and graphs and everything else. Yeah. He, you know, it's just it's a it's a different kind of animal there. I don't know if that real estate's in his is obviously in his wheelhouse from starting this thing, but it like you know, it's not only Gary's wheelhouse; it's his soul, right? Oh, I mean, no doubt. You could see, you could see Refkin going on to run another another tech company, right? I mean, he's mm -hmm. just gonna be that kind of guy. He's not. He's not. You're saying Refkin's not a real estate guy. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, okay, I think he's that's interesting. Goldman Sachs, right. Sachs before, right? I mean, yeah, I could see that. In the sense of like Gary Keller, give me, you know, that guy was. I don't think he's any been anything but right. I mean, besides playing music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. I think. I think if Refkin wants to step out, right, he certainly made his fortune. You know, he could do it. 
uh, I don't think he's got anything to apologize for. Like Compass is not imploding because of major mistakes he's made, as far as I know, right? It's imploding because the market's imploding and Compass is a traditional brokerage that has spent too much money on tech. I mean, that's basically what it is. Well, I think, if anything, the mistake is, and I don't know if it's a mistake, but um, they tried to pitch this as a new type of brokerage that was tech forward and get valuated that way. Of course. And they were they failed to do that, right? The, that The market didn't bite on that, right? The, the, that, so, like, none of us bit on that, right? I mean, even when they launched, we're like, this is a tech company. It's, not, it's a traditional brokerage. Yeah, I mean, it was 20, it was 20 bucks a share back then. I mean, I know, but you know, I don't know. It's a traditional brokerage, right? Yeah. So it's, it's what's interesting in a sense is what we're seeing is we're seeing the two models, right? That have, let's go back to seventies, right? The Remax type model, low cost, right? Agents. You know, huge numbers of agents. Okay, that went to Kel Williams, and now EXP has taken that that crown, right? And EXP is killing it. Then you have the traditional model that's you know more the Realogy home services, right? And then now Compass has taken that, and Compass imploding. But it's Compass imploding because because of their you know model, or is are they imploding because they're spending too much money on staff, specifically technology staff, right? Yeah, I mean they're just. I think it's the spending, right? I mean, it's right. just, as, as you're saying, the most unprofitable brokerage ever, right? Right. But it's like, but if you look at the gross profits, I don't think they're that different than a, any other traditional brokerage, right? And what, they, what they're lacking are the other the ancillary services, the traditional guys, the home service and the realogies, you know, they have those, right? Whereas Compass doesn't. So I, I kind of feel like we're going to see that play out um, kind of right in front of our eyes. Right now, if we were to judge based on right now today, it's pretty clear that the Remax type model is the more successful one. Yeah. Right? Because EXP is killing it. Right? Yeah. They're killing it. You, know, you know, it's interesting you're saying it because we're kind of, we're not on the opposite sides. We're just playing it. I had yeah. a, a little bit of listener feedback. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and I thought this was maybe a good idea that we could implement in the future. Um, so, like, Maybe like there's an email address that we set up that they can um, send questions into. Okay. Right? Um, or, you know, topic ideas. So, um, you know, I think we've said, hey, leave something in the chat, but maybe something anonymous is what I'm getting the vibe of. Uh -huh. uh, and then um, also like if we have some of the podcasts were really squarely on different sides of some sort of polling system where people could like say, I think Rob is right. <laughs> so, there, were, there were two interesting ideas there. <laughs> I like that. All yeah, right. So we, maybe we'll, we'll kind of figure something out that later on. And then to go back a little bit too, a little more thing. So we were talking about Spencer. So we, should we, uh, we, we've, uh, we're going to have Spencer on the podcast, right? We are. Yes. Yeah. I think in two weeks, three weeks, something like yeah. that. So, um, Spencer Raskoff, former, uh, you know, CEO of Zillow, co-founder of Zillow. And uh, what was the other one? He, he co-founder of Picasso at seven, yeah. you know, 75 and sunny. And yeah. Yeah. Important guy. Yeah. yeah important guy. So we're going to have him on the podcast, kind of looking forward to that. Yeah. Get a few points. I mean, and going back to the panel that I was with him on, um, you know, the question that came out from the crowd there, you know, in relation to let's you know, talk about prop tech as a overall is everything's on hold, right? Yeah. And and I I'd kind of shared, I know that we were, you know, Lone Wolf has, you know, famously last year bought five companies in nine months and they were always looking, but every deal they have is on hold right now. So there's, mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, the ones that you read about, um, Flow getting money, which was, yeah. you know, yeah, um, that, was a, that was an outlier. Um, yeah. I was really happy to see that, um, Rent spree, you know Michael over there, who's a good guy. They 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 were able to secure, I think, a seventeen million on a Series uh, B round. Mm -hmm. Um, so congratulations to those guys. But I mean, otherwise, it's just been, you know, everything is. You know, Spencer and Greg were saying we're 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 kind of frozen, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that they said, not, as as they were talking about this, I wanted to get kind of your input, but and I think we've talked about this a little bit too. Um. But it seems like, you know, they're, Spencer and Greg are a little bit down, not down on, but like the prop tech thing is kind of over here. But the real innovation seems to be more on the fintech side. Yeah. 
right? And, and you know, you know, maybe we've figured out how to kind of search on a portal and and do different things with listings and and see it different ways, whatever. But you know, how do we get? How do we kind of engineer uh, more people getting into homes, right? Or different <laughs> different ownership models or or, or things yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> That's a big topic. So, yeah, look, fintech, obviously, because in a way, housing is just an extension of finance. Right. If you look at it just from like a bank or a Wall Street perspective, housing is, they don't, it's not even housing, it's mortgage. Right. Right. So whatever revolution can be happening in mortgage, I, I think will be far more influential. And certainly Greg Schwartz, you know, with Tomo is trying to do all those things. Um, the reason why I'm having so much trouble kind of like answering that is because I think the whole financial system worldwide is under stress right now, right? So I'm not sure I see how that plays out. As a general matter, though, I mean, I kind of look at it this way. You're right. I mean, funding, venture funding, finance, it's all just completely frozen. But it's because it's pretty obvious that the Federal Reserve is like wants to put the country into recession, right? Maybe the whole globe into a recession to try and deal with this inflation problem. Um, and, you know, prop tech, anything tech, you know, in a recession type environment is problematic, right? Because especially when you have stagflation, so you have a recession in the midst of really high in inflation because people don't need to spend money on that, right? I think that becomes a problem. So I think... Based on what, you know, at least like macro analysts that I'm following, it seems like a lot of the capital, a lot of the money is focused more on sort of real basic stuff like commodities, energy, right? Like food, oil, you know, water, like things like that. And to the extent that there are some, you know, sort of innovations, I, I have a feeling it's going to be focusing more on some of those real fundamental things as opposed to, you know, stuff like fintech even to some extent it's like okay that's true it would be easier it would be nicer if we could if the mortgage process were a lot easier yeah but if we're really entering into sort of a stagflationary period no one's going to qualify for a mortgage anyway so who cares right there's there's some element of that that's yeah cool. yeah i mean it's just like you know there's only a certain percentage of people that that really invest in the stock market, right? Right. And the vast majority of people's wealth is that they gathered is through home ownership, right? That's right. And then you've got this, um, you know, inequality going between it's growing and growing between, you know, the have and the have nots. Um, you know, it just seems to me that th there could be something here that could, you know, be worked out where, right. And I think that's Adam Newman's like flow thing, right? We don't know exactly what they're going to do, but yeah. there's some element of it that's like it's going to be a rent-to-own type of scenario, right? right? Um, I guess, you know, I, I guess. Uh, there's plenty of companies out there trying to do rent-to-owns, you know, and I guess. But I've, I've been involved with a couple of those projects, and, the, and to some extent, the issue is it's, we're just talking about another form of forced savings. Yeah. Even mortgage itself is just for savings, right? Yeah. And it's like, that's cool, but the income isn't there, right? That's, I mean, fundamentally, that's the problem. Hey, everybody, I'm so happy to announce that we have a new sponsor for industry relations, and that's Earnest. Earnest is a secure, convenient digital payment system that allows for a fully digital transfer of funds in real estate transactions. So thank you, Russ, and please visit earnest.com. That's E-A-R-N-N-E-S-T.com. Thanks again. I want to share something with you. Uh, so this is a slide for uh, presentations that I do, right? So we talk about how housing market, we talk about all this stuff. I'm like, but fundamentally, this is a problem, right? Is that income has not kept pace with inflation, right? So in real terms, like, so, you know, you look at nominal income adjusted for inflation, like it's, it's really stayed flat, right? Throughout the entire, like from year 2000, 
to now, it's it's pretty much stayed flat, even though in nominal terms it's gone straight up into the right. And with you know, look, is inflation like Fed's trying to fight it? Inflation's at eight and a half percent nominal, right? It's probably closer to 15 percent. They're really trying to crush it. But the side effect of trying to crush inflation is unemployment, right? Because companies yeah. shut down, and unemployment is not good for income. Right? Like, it's you know, you're gonna be hard pressed to go to your boss and be like, "I need a raise," when there's when the well, boss has 500 resumes, right? Yeah, right. So I'd love to see corporate profits be laid on top of this because we all know that the corporate profits have been astronomical, right? So I mean, at some point, you know. These companies have got to pay their people better. Um, can they? Well, I've just said they're. I just you know, corporate profits profits yeah. have gone through the roof. I don't think it has. I don't. Oh, man, you know, I, 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 mean, I will look it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have that chart handy, but that's a good point. I will try and create one. We could, we could get rid of this. Um, so, but going back to housing, right? Fine. Let's say corporate profits have gone way up, right? To your point, most people don't invest in stocks. They're they're not corporate owners, right? Most of the owners are going to be your mutual funds, hedge funds, you know, pension funds, that sort of thing, right? It's not it's not like a couple of billionaires running around. Like the most of the money is coming from mutual funds and pension funds. It's four hundred one k's, right? But you know, I mean, you, you, the story of the last ten years has not been. We'll pay this amazing dividends, so you should own shares of this company because you're going to get all this money from dividend shares from the corporate profits. It's more like you should own this stock because it's going to 10x. That's not happening, right? Yeah. And income certainly hasn't kept up, which means and home prices have gone like this. All right. Fundamentally, the issue is going to be who can afford to buy houses. And if we talk about doing this forced savings thing, whether it's to rent to own through through mortgage, I'm like yeah, but if price of food and gasoline are going up, like how much for savings can you actually do? No, I mean, it's got to be a combination of things, right? I mean, right. my point about the about record profits for corporations is that they should give some up to the freaking workers, right? I mean, let's, you know, let's raise some salaries here, right? Let's, let's try to kind of, I mean, it's not going to be, there's not one silver bullet, but I mean, I think you have to look at a lot of different things. Um, and, and it's a shame because, you know, there's been a lot of, I wish I could, I should, I should find some of these quotes and make sure I have them handy for me myself, but you know, how, you know, most people have their wealth has been in, in the way, you know, in real estate. Right. Yeah. And, and if that goes away, if people aren't investing in stocks, if they're not going to be with some startup and getting some equity and now real estate is out of thing, what is, you know, because I don't, I don't think real estate's, I don't. I don't see housing prices dropping. I don't see real estate prices dropping, right? No, but I mean, but but if that was a one way to 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 develop wealth over your lifetime, and that is going to be out of reach for most people, yeah. Then what happens? What happens? Revolution. Next year? Okay, here we go. I mean, I can't <laughs> agree with you. I mean, but you know, let's. What can we do something to stop that? Right. That's if you know the. I I guess. Look, I mean, and again, it's not like you and I are some policymakers. You know, we're not we're not Biden, right? We're not advising Biden. I I very strongly doubt that Biden and the Council of Economic Advisors are listening to this podcast. <laughs> but you know, look in in a real way, when you say the corporations just pay people more, right? And the reason I'm like, can they? Is because okay, look, fundamentally, there has to be this connection to productivity. Right, like right. you can't just pay somebody more for the sake of paying them more. Here's what I'm saying: if if we've had record profits for the past twenty years, right. right, corporations have never made more money in their life ever, ever, right? That that's so a claim. They have money. They have money. How about like you know? And you're saying to me that income has not risen in concert with what I think that is. Mm -hmm. Then you know. That's just straight up greed or straight up whatever. I don't know what it is, but I mean, may maybe there's there's an answer there of like, we should be paying people more money. Okay. I, so, I mean, you run a corporation, you know? 
or you're part of a corporation, like, can you just pay people more? Well, I mean, <laughs> you bring up a good You're doing point. the exact same thing that you did yesterday. We're just going to pay you 20% more. Well, no, but I mean, it just hasn't kept up. I mean, you've shown me a chart. I, where but your profits are on at record not. levels. <laughs> your profits are record levels. Can you just pay people more? I, I realize it's a complicated thing. And I'm not saying... Right, but, but, so look, fundamentally, what I'm saying is, look, you, you can pay people more if that's going to make them more productive. Right. Without an increase in productivity, like... Well, I mean, but you're saying to me, you're saying to me, that the, the income has been flat. Correct. It's been going up, right? right? So that, to me, the delta there is people being more productive. And, and, and Like I and, said, man, I, you're making this claim that I haven't looked at, right? There's a lot of sort of propaganda about corporate profits being really high, but, like, but let's look at it in real terms, right? Because again, if you, okay, let's bring this chart back, right? We're talking about real profit, real, real income in this blue line versus the red line, right? So when you talk about corporate profits being up, I want to know, is it nominal or is it real inflation-adjusted profits? And I don't know the answer, right, off the top of my head. I have to do some research to see, have corporate profits actually been, you know, sort of this enormous thing in real terms, right? And corporate profits, in a way, is problematic. And here's why. We have to look at what corporation we're talking about. Has Apple been enormously profitable? Of course it has, Right. Well, no, but you're saying this is, you know, I would pro what you'd have to do. It says, and in this chart you have up here for yeah. people listening, it's medium yeah. house income, medium corporate profits. Okay. So just sure. how about it that way. Right. So sure. you have kind of a that's exactly right. So if we look at median corporate profits and are we only looking at publicly traded because otherwise we don't have profit numbers, right? We have to. So first I mean, of all, you know, now we've got to like, you know, you got to look at something. Yeah, uh, agreed. I mean, this is household income. This isn't all income. Right. Agreed. But you know what would be fascinating for me is if we're only looking at publicly traded companies, they're the largest of the large, most successful of the successful corporations. Right. Like I said, Apple, uh, you know, uh, Microsoft. Like these are the most successful companies in the country. We know that that's not where jobs come from. Jobs come from small businesses. Right. You know, it's the plumber and the, the local realtor. Right. Local real estate brokerage is a, is a small business employer, Freaking local agents. And I don't know that those guys have seen profits like strep into the right. I don't know, especially in real terms. So all I'm saying is I don't know. And but the point that I'm making, we could get rid of like the point that I'm making simply is it just feels like, like I don't even know what to call it. It just feels like uh unicorn you know reality denying socialist bullshit to be like corporations just pay people more like you can't just pay people more. like they have to be more productive there has to be some connection productivity right if if you're paying the same you know about the same you have for the last 20 years and your profits are going up to me that's already no but that's that's exactly the thing they're doing a lot more no greg everyone's paying people more on a nominal basis, right? Every company in, in, in the United States has like your standard three, three and a half percent pay raise every year, <laughs> right? Yeah. But let's bring the chart back, okay? No, you're right. I mean, it, it, it the is- The red line. Yeah. It's just that because of inflation, right? Right. So let's put it this way. Last year, okay, and you don't have to, last year, we know that inflation was probably close to 19%. Okay. Did Lone Wolf give 19% raises to its all its employees? Of course not. Yeah. Of course not. You guys did your standard sort of annual bump, you know, 5%. With, you know, if you are an extraordinarily productive person, we might give you whatever, right? 10% bump. We know this is the way corporations have to work. Now, if corporations had to index raises to inflation, yeah, right? that's, yeah. This year, we're looking at, what eight and a half percent down from nine point one? Okay, yeah, I mean, we're saying looking at this. I think in my head it was flipped here. You were looking at the the other, but I, I get your point. I mean, yeah, in real terms, but, in, in nominal terms, no, then yeah, people don't get yeah. raises, but yeah. because of inflation, real terms, they it's just stayed flat, yeah. right? Yeah, so that's I what mean, I'm getting at. So same thing with corporate profits. Corporate profits in nominal terms might be this. In real terms, I don't, I don't, I just don't know yeah. the answer. Yeah, right? I, I understand what you're saying. I think to me, you know, it. it the other thing is that we're seeing, and everybody talks about it, it's just that widening gap, right? So yeah. 
that's that's kind of where I'm coming from looking at something like that. But dude, the widening gap is very simple to to explain in a real way. The widening gap is because of home ownership. Right. If you owned a home 10 years ago, you have a lot more wealth than if you didn't own a home. It's that simple. It's something that realtors have been talking about for 30 years. Yeah. Right? Especially, and it's just hyper in the last three. Absolutely hyper. But so going back to kind of how we got onto this track is all these models are going to do fractional ownership or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's all fine and dandy. But the reason why it has happened is because it creates forced savings. Right, people can afford to buy homes, even in like 1990. Right, saved up some money. They had the kind of job. They had the kind of discipline to save money. Right, if you stuck that saving money, you probably didn't buy a home back in 1990. Right, because you were spending all your money on stuff and you're just renting and living. Okay, cool. So now we're going to say, hey, we're going to do this new model. It's a rent to own. So you're going to pay rent, but some percentage of rent is going to go towards building equity and then at some point you could buy the home like okay that sounds great in principle but that naturally means that the rent has to be above market right and if those people are no longer like well i gotta pay gas i gotta pay for fuel i gotta pay for food right so i can't afford to pay this additional i can't afford in other words i can't afford to save whether it's forced or not that's the bigger problem that we're confronting so i'm not sure like it, it makes sense and I do think like the Adam Newman thing or some of the other stuff, it's being targeted at a very small percentage of population. In other words, it's being targeted at like the top 20% of say millennials or Gen Z, right? Who have good jobs, you know, they have college degrees, right? And by putting them into a place like this, it does result in this forced savings. So one day, three, four years on, they'll look at it and go, wow, you know, I've been paying 2000 a month for rent. Turns out, 200 of that has been going towards equity. And now I own, you know, 3% of this condo unit, right? And if right. I wanted to, I could buy the remainder, go get a mortgage. I mean, it makes sense, but I'm just pointing out that we're still targeting the top 20%. Yeah, right? I mean, I think, um, yeah, there's, there's <laughs> I guess when you think about FinTech, PropTech, there's no amount of tech you can put to something to really no. <laughs> solve that. That it's it's more it's got to be policy or government led, right? I mean, it's got to be policy, and, government. I mean, and look, as an anarchist, I want the government out, right? But more in an economic standpoint, it has to be production, right? It has to be that the worker, if they were you know creating ten widgets a week today, they have to be able to create eleven widgets a week. Right? It has to be something like that. And and I think one of the issues, and so we could apply it even to real estate, right? Like you can't just pay people because, you know, because whatever, right? Like if you are selling 10 houses a year, you need to sell 11 houses a year. Like there has to be productivity, right? If you're a software coder, you, you wrote 5,000 lines of code last week. Now you're writing 5,500 lines of code. It has to be productivity. And we're not seeing that, right? right. And I think- Fintech, prop tech, all of this tech, it's it can't solve that problem. So that's the situation we're in. Having said that, housing, the reason why I'm still so bullish on housing and on real estate, because at the end of the day, man, housing is real. Housing is not an NFT. Housing is not, you know, software code, right? Housing is bricks, it's land. I mean, it's the ultimate property, right? It's the ultimate reality. Third. So it's dirt. And at the end, like, okay, like whatever, you have apartment complex go up and the landlord goes out of business or something happens. You still have a building, right? You still have a building, you have bricks, you have drywall. And whether you let it, you know, become like a homeless encampment or you figure out a way of allowing people to buy it or own it or rent it or whatever, like it's still a thing that exists. So that's why I'm sort of bullish on it versus even like social media companies. Okay, what do you have? At the end of the day, you have a bunch of code, right? And you have all this whatever eyeballs and you're making money yeah. on selling ads. Like, I guess, I guess. And it's really high margin. It's great. But at the end of the day, like if you go away, it, it just goes away. Nobody needs you to exist. Yeah. Right. Whereas people need the house, the actual bricks and mortar to exist because they got to live somewhere. So that's, when you think of it, like you pull back from kind of the today's immediate, you know, horrendous, market, just pull back and look at it. It's like, okay, well, 
the fact of the matter is over the last whatever 50, 60 years, we've built up the stock of houses, of actual buildings and improved land. That's not going anywhere. Yeah, I the think problem is, seeing, yeah. That's why yeah. you're seeing a lot of private equity and of course fires and everything else. Of course. They're kind of waking up to that and of course seeing the, uh, the appreciation go go up from a strictly finance point. They love that. Of course. Yeah, because, I, mean, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if we're going to solve. <laughs> no, we're not going to solve it. Yeah. We're not going to solve it, but we can have fun talking about yeah. it. And I do think, though, it is important for our listeners, because let's face it, most of them are realtors, most of them are real estate industry people. I do think it's important for them to understand that we actually work in an industry that is not going anywhere. Right? Like, Compass, let's we were talking about let's say Compass implodes and goes bankrupt. Okay. Those agents ha- aren't going anywhere, right? They're consumers, like even in the depths of whatever the worst in the depth of the uh the great uh the bubble bursting, I think there were four million homes sold. Right. You know what I mean? So fine, okay, everything changes, things are way expensive. Something's gonna happen, something's gonna change, but still probably three and a half million homes will still change hands. Right? Right. So, you know, look, it does it, but in the short term, if it's only three and a half million, we're going to lose a whole bunch of realtors, a whole bunch of companies go out of business, all sorts of negative things will happen. But we'll, we'll come out the other end because we're dealing with actual physical stuff, you know? And to, and to your point, that might be a good thing for the agents that stick around, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wrote I wrote a giant long post about that. We should uh, maybe we'll ch- tackle that next week after I've looked at corporate profits. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if we you know got anywhere, but that's not the point of this podcast, right? It's about discussing no. the important issues, and I think we've done that pretty well. Um, when do I when do I see you next? Are you coming to Blueprint? No, I'm not going to Blueprint. Um... I don't know. I don't, I, you know, the next thing I'm going out to is going to be CMLS, which is in um, Indianapolis, Indianapolis. So I'm leaving yeah. there on the 20, um, on the 28th. Right. So, yeah. yeah. All right. That's, well, I will not see you in Indianapolis, but uh, <laughs> I will you know. be out in Vegas again. Rich has invited me to come speak at their board of directors meeting, which is I think mm-hmm. in October. So, I mean, that's the next time that I know I'll, I might, I might I might head out for the Chargers game against the Raiders out there. Okay, yeah, talk about that. So, um, all right, be fun. All right, well, let me know. We'll do a right. industry relations live, maybe or something. <laughs> all right, man. So, all right, well, hey, thanks everyone for uh, sticking with us, and uh, thank you, Greg. And it's always fabulous to see the fabulous wow. Greg Robertson. Very notoriously about you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there you Bye. go.